I'm Sean. And I'm Dana. And welcome to My Neighbor's Table, a podcast for adventurous ears. All right, so we are at Cochimito uh, Taqueria in Spokane. We are here meeting with Travis Dickinson, who is one of the owners and chefs here, and we're going to talk about pozole. So um, first question, uh, what does Cochinito mean? Cochinito is kind of a slang term for little piggy or piglet. Okay. So it kind of came out of my wife uh, jokingly calling me that when I was, you know, being stupid or eating too much or whatever. <laughs> my wife's from Mexico, so it was like and her you funny... Turned, yeah, and you turned it into a business Her name. funny little team of endearment. Her her initial name for the restaurant, she wanted to call it Andale Pues, which is kind of loosely like, hey, let's do this. Yeah. And I thought it was a little... Uh, a little harder for the tongue up here in the northwest, so we stuck with Cochinito and knew we could brand around it, you know, build a logo that worked and all that. And we do love cooking our pork, so it all kind of fit, you know, seamlessly. Yeah. Well, and if, uh, if you guys can't get out here, um, which I recommend you do, um, their logo is a pig. Uh, done up in the uh, style of the uh, Dia de los Muertes kind yeah. of masks. We have a great local masks. artist, an uh, old high school friend of mine named Jeremy Vermillion that did the logo for us. He does all our like vinyl graphics and he did the big old mural along our back wall which has a couple of those Day of the Dead faces, yeah. some cool little artwork and mm-hmm. stuff. So pretty lucky to have him as a part of this opening team. Yeah. So we were wondering um, kind of how you got started as a chef. So I started washing dishes at 15 years old in Coeur d'Alene. It was just, uh, you know, needed money to buy new skateboards and shoes type of thing. So mm-hmm. I got a job at the Coeur d'Alene Resort washing dishes, worked my way up through their brunch program. Eventually was doing the employee line, cooking for all the, uh, you know, all the employees in the resort and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Moved over to a couple other restaurants in the Post Falls Coeur d'Alene area. And then uh, after high school, decided to go to culinary school. And I was still kind of chasing the skateboard dream. So Portland was the place to be. And I went down there to do a culinary school at Western Culinary. And went through the one-year program there. Um, you know, bounced around a few jobs over there. I was at a place for quite a while called Hall Street Grill, which was in the suburbs of Portland and Beaverton. Mm-hmm. Uh, helped reopen a fine dining Italian place called Genoa in Portland at one point. Kind of yeah, bounced around there until uh, it was time to move back home. You know, met my uh, then fiance, now wife. Knew we wanted to start a family. My parents were still in the North Idaho area, so and I liked where uh, Spokane's food scene was headed. I see it kind of stepping up more and more to be a progressive city with some really cool dining options. And like, all right, it's probably time to get up there. Also, we couldn't afford to open a restaurant in uh, Portland, so. Yeah. <laughs> who, who, who can? Who can? Yeah. <laughs> it's um, crazy. What drew you specifically to Mexican food? You know, I uh, in Portland especially, my crew was predominantly Hispanic. Well, a lot of Mexican guys, Guatemalan, Salvadorian. And, uh, you know, I fell in love with that culture through those people. But also the food. I mean, you know, we were cooking progressive, uh, you know, Northwest uh, Mediterranean inspired cuisine for the most part mm-hmm. but our staff meal was always you know Mexican South American <laughs> things like that so and that was the food I looked forward to eating not mm-hmm. the things we were cooking on a nightly basis um, so partly that and then partly meeting my wife who's you know born and raised in Mexico and had been in the country for seven years when I met her mm-hmm. and just us kind of eating out together so I knew I loved the cuisine and then there's a couple places we would go to that were you know this style of taco shop, a little more casual, walk-up service, you know, mm-hmm. a little more approachable than a sit-down restaurant, just kind of fun and funky. And the more we sat there eating it, I'm like, man, this is what I want to do. You know, I want a place where my friends and family can come see me without breaking the bank or needing to be a special event, something where you know, people with a young family feel as comfortable coming in as, you know, younger people out for a night on the town. So kind of a uh, you know, the culture of the food, but also just the style of restaurant service was the big draw to doing this for us. Yeah. 
I grew up in California, so I grew up around good, cheap Mexican food yeah. on every corner. Coming into the Spokane food scene, which, um, I mean, when you started, was just starting kind of really to move. I mean, I remember what this place was before yeah. it was you. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> what were the hurdles for you to do, like, Mexican food here? Um, like, how did that play out? You know, I think still the hurdle is because people love Mexican food everywhere. And I knew before we moved up here that this was a concept we wanted to pursue. But to do elevated Mexican food that's chef-driven, I mean, we rely heavily on fine dining technique mm-hmm. and, you know, really thoughtfully sourced ingredients. Mm-hmm. Things that are kind of missing from, you know, the, the standard American Mexican restaurant. Mm-hmm. So, you know, twisting it a little to where we're taking some really classic Mexican techniques, classic preparations, classic recipes, but also twisting some of the things to where they work for that fine dining touch. Mm-hmm. I think the hardest thing for us, you know, in opening and still day to day is explaining the price point difference to the guests. The fact that you know, the quality of ingredients we're using are 300% more than what a lot of places, you know, in our, our genre are using. And we're only charging 50 cents, 75 cents more a taco. But still, you know, you get above $2 on a taco and some people don't quite process that until they yeah. come in and get the chance to do it. So it's just getting people in the door to try it and realizing that for, you know, $15 here, you can have a really full, really satisfying meal using the same kind of ingredients that the fine dining places are charging $40, $45 a plate for. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it wasn't so much coming to Spokane and doing Mexican. I think it was coming to Spokane and doing our Mexican. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I kept my eyes on this market for a while before we moved up. You know, I was up here for five years before we took the jump to do this and just kind of seeing where the city was heading and, you know, feeling out if it was ready. And I think the culture's gotten there. I mean, people in Spokane are excited about dining out but they're excited about good food and you know thoughtfully sourced ingredients and the same things that Portland and Seattle and LA have you know made a big part of their food scene for so long so I think the time's right it's really interesting to see this city moving in such a cool direction I can tell you uh, good Mexican food is needed in this town yeah Yeah. I knew that too I mean there's nothing like what we wanted to do which is great because in Portland like I said there's five or six concepts that are similar that's the hard part with a big city like that as a chef is you can be really, really good. There's probably four other guys that are just as good doing kind of the same thing. I mean, there's just so much talent in your cities. So many restaurants. Everybody talks about all the cool new stuff that opens up. Nobody talks about all the restaurants that close to make room for all the new stuff that opens up. So, yeah. But, yeah, I thought Spokane was just the right place to do it. You know, you can still afford to get into a downtown storefront here without mortgaging your house and make it happen. So, we're... We're uh, pretty excited. We're coming up on a year next week, and we're just pretty blessed and humbled that it's worked out so well. You know, we had so yeah. many talented people just help us get it up and running. It's like we had, between Justin and I, we had a friend that knew how to do everything. You know, so yeah. there's so many people in here swinging hammers and painting and doing nice. signs and murals and just all the little stuff that we were lost on. We just got bailed out time after time after time again. Yeah. So yeah. we owe it to a giant family that this thing even got off the ground, which is yeah. pretty fun. What would you say is, like, if, if I'm coming at Mexican food from no knowledge, yeah. um, what is the dish or the thing that you think people really should try or should uh, maybe try to make it home, maybe should try first somewhere else? What is, what is for you that, that kind of classic Mexican thing that people should do? And it's the simplest, most basic thing. I mean, I compare it to sushi and the rice, but it's the tortilla. And it's amazing, you know, how many tortillas are purchased at a store in the U.S., mm-hmm. you know, and how easy they are to make at home. I mean, it's a three-ingredient thing, unless you want to go through the full process of doing your own nixtamal and, you know, 
yeah. treating the corn and all that stuff, you can buy high quality, you know, masa mix, hot water and salt and a cheap $12 tortilla press and make them yourself in very little time. And it's such a difference. I mean, and that's one of the things that we stand on and one of the things that I think separates us is we're one of the few, if only, places that are making tortillas one at a time by hand all day. And there's days here where we're making 3,000 of them yeah. on a busy day, pressing them just one after another after another. But it's worth the time and worth the, uh, you know, the attention that it takes to get it done. So, yeah. But, yeah, I think, I mean, that's something everybody should try at home at least once. Sean has tried. Yeah. <laughs> and it just takes a touch. Have, I don't have the press. I think yeah. I think the I've press is them. what we're missing because I do remember some very thick, very gluey, very mm. flowery yeah. homemade tortillas in the past, which I might have gotten better. Then I mean, had in all to fairness. say don't. <laughs> well, no, the, Sean. <laughs> the flour ones you do have to roll by hand. The yeah. corn ones you can press out one at a time, and it takes a touch to get the dough right. And we still have days here where we're, you know, we'll make a. 40 pound batch of masa dough ready to make tortillas and then you start pressing them and go oh man needs more water yeah and we're hauling that thing back to the mixer and readjusting because it does need to be like just perfect yeah just mine perfect. tends to be a little yeah. too wet yeah so i get lots of sticking and the hard part is just perfect means it's sticking enough to be kind of a pain but you can still make yeah, it. it rips a little yeah. when you take it off if sometimes. they're really easy to take off you didn't do them right because yeah. you yeah. need that water content to make a nice soft yeah. pliable tortilla maybe we should invest in a tortilla press i know we should invest in a tortilla press <laughs> <laughs> you can get some good ones out yeah. there for not a lot of money amazon's our friend that stuff yeah we blow through one every month or so just because we use them so much that even though we buy uh steel ones metal ones yeah but after using them so much they start to concave in the middle mm -hmm. so the tortillas get thicker and thicker over time and then we have to replace them so it's kind of yeah. funny when I uh, first met you um, mm -hmm. we, we talked about doing this you said pozole was that dish for you that um, was confide um, so uh, do you want to tell why pozole uh, for you is so important I just think it's one of those foods that I've always gravitated toward. I mean, nothing's better than a nice hearty soup with stewed meats and, you know, just kind of that gut-sticking wintertime food. I mean, it's so comforting. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, Pasole in our family is the one thing, you know, when my wife and I first got together, our first Christmas Eve celebrations, she said, hey, my family in Mexico, we eat pasole on Christmas Eve every day. I really miss it. <laughs> so that's been our thing. And, you know, we make it Christmas Eve every year, and it's kind of funny because... I didn't make it very often because it was sort of that special thing. Yeah. Now I'm making it twice a week here, and it's kind of lost its luster. You know, it's like last Christmas Eve, I just took it from here and brought it home, and it felt so different than doing it. So I don't think we'll do that again. But then we went down for Christmas, and I made her family a giant pot. But you know, it's just one of those, you know, one of the most comfort, comforting, approachable foods in the you know, in the Mexican cuisine. Hard to not enjoy. It's got all the good stuff: pulled pork and corn and chilies and spice and flavor and you know it's built around a ton of toppings going on there to kind of make it fun and interactive so yeah it's a great family experience just set that big bowl in the middle and have all that fun stuff to start throwing on there yeah so, so do you want to explain why you laughed at why that i laughed <laughs> yes uh we did one of our previous episodes on boya base um yeah. with uh we interviewed uh laurent uh Zeroti. yeah um and the, the reason why we chose boya base is sean's family has this tradition of making boya base for Christmas oh, Eve perfect. every year so I, I'm laughing that like the, the making a soup for Christmas Eve is not just a tolly thing <laughs> before I met Karina our family was lasagna for Christmas Eve yeah. every year and I always looked forward to lasagna yeah now we've had to switch it up a little bit so if I'm lucky I can do the pasole at home and then 
sneak over to my parents Christmas morning and have some breakfast lasagna before nice. things get too crazy. So what's the, um, what's kind of the base of pozole? Like what is pozole? So you said it's a stew. Yeah, so. pork and hominy stew. And there's, I mean, there's different variations of pozole. There's a, you know, pozole verde, every different, you know, it's like America, every different little pocket has their different way of doing things. Mm-hmm. Uh, the one we make is a pozole rojo. So it's a pork and hominy stew. We use pork shoulder. Uh, we slowly braise pork shoulder with hominy, which is mm-hmm. this nice exploded corn kernels. Yeah. That is the one bit of corn that we do the nixtamal process ourselves. So we soak them in um, pickling lime, boil them in there, let the kernels kind of explode, take the husk off of them so you get that nice fat, you know, chewy kernel. Yeah. Uh, we do a combination of a, an heirloom white and red corn for the pozole here in-house. Aside from that, it's the pork. It's a good mixture of dried chilies. We use ancho, pasilla, and guajillo in ours. So the chilies are kind of soaked in the cooking broth and then pureed and added back in. Uh, we do a little red yeah. wine in ours, which is pretty non-traditional, but does kind of add a roundness and a richness to the backbone. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a touch of orange juice just for, you know, some acid in there. And a whole bunch of spices, you know, cumin, our house chili powder blend is in there. A lot of uh, dry Mexican oregano. Yeah. Garlic that we blister on the stove to get nice and burnt, put into that puree. And then, yeah, it's just a really slow simmering process. So we, we start the broth with the, you know, the chili puree, a little bit of chicken stock. Uh, we cook pork shoulder and pork shank. Uh, from Snake River Farms in there until they're easily shreddable. Mm-hmm. Remove all the meat, shred it all up, <laughs> then you put the hominy and everything else, some onions, garlic back in there, let it stew for a long time until it all comes together. Meat goes back in and simmers for a bit, and then uh, after that it's all topping. So we do a little shredded cabbage with ours, some white onion, uh, a little bit of avocado, some shaved radishes, which are again a little non-traditional, mm-hmm. of course a nice handful of cilantro and lime. That sounds amazing, and it sounds it does sound perfect, like a perfect winter stew, especially for this weather that we have outside, where it just Wet snowed. And cold. It snowed what another three inches yeah. last night, and there's a wind chill. And perfect for this time of year. And one of the best things about this location is our uh, our kitchen exhaust hood vent plums right out onto the street onto the sidewalk on yeah, post. So when you're making that pozole and it's simmering under that hood, it's just blasting into the street. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I like to imagine just people like in the cartoons, you know, that little <laughs> whiff of smoke comes over <laughs> their nose and the head turns up and they just follow in like lemmings. But no, I think it does. People walk in all the time, we're making, what are you doing in there? Cooking delicious yeah, food. Cooking delicious stuff. That's <laughs> the best part of that hood because we're always, there's always some kind of spice on the stove, blackening or chilies roasting yeah. or... Mm-hmm. There's only one sauce we make in-house that we have to do really early in the morning because it's uh, kind of like mustard gas coming. That's our mm-hmm. arbol chili table sauce. Mm-hmm. A lot of vinegar, a lot of really spicy chilies. So mm-hmm. Really good. <laughs> it's great, but it clears out the kitchen when you're burning all those chilies, yeah. and it goes out mm-hmm. into the street pretty hard. So that's our 7 a.m. sauce every day. <laughs> when I had tacos here uh, the first time, I uh, missed the sauces on the table until the very end, and I was like, oh, no. <laughs> Had to try those. So. I try to make a point to point them out to people when they come in, so they know, and also so the spice adverse don't grab that orange herbal chili sauce. And Speaking of the spice adverse, <laughs> uh, which is me, um, I, I I'm a one star person. Yeah. <laughs> Beyond that, I feel like I'm dying. Um, what what are some good techniques for other spice adverse people who would like to branch out and? try more things but are a little afraid of the spiciness how do you get through spicy mexican food i think with mexican food there's that kind of preconceived notion that everything is spicy and in my opinion it really shouldn't be or doesn't need to be we do have a couple things on our menu that are spicy by nature and in those we can usually just take one of the ingredients off and put it on the side Mm -hmm. so you know in our carne asada we use a little bit of pickled peppers in the corn salsa i don't think it's spicy but somebody that's 
spice it first probably would find it a little bit so we usually ask if we can just put that on the side and let them sort of add it yeah. yeah themselves but most of the chilies and things that we use in it are you know more for that kind of smoky rounder flavor mm-hmm. kind of thing we don't use a lot of the super spicy chilies in most of our braises or things yeah mm-hmm. i noticed the spices you listed off guajillo arbol all those are very floral yeah. spices mm-hmm. they have a, the, a very distinct taste note as compared to a jalapeno or exactly. a habanero which are primarily heat forward yeah and i love that's why i love guajillos because they're just kind of that tropical you know raisinated flavors they just got such a depth yeah poblanos <laughs> yeah. are great too but yeah i think it's just kind of picking your way around and asking questions you know what is spicy on here because we have so many things on our menu that have the word chili on them yeah nine times out of ten on this menu that doesn't mean a spicy chili it Mm -hmm. means our house chili blend which is you know a medium chili powder with cumin and oregano and garlic and onion or you know it might mean some of those dried chilies like guajillos and anchos that aren't very spicy so take some asking but we love you know the interaction and being able to kind of custom create things like that yeah so on the on the pozole, back to that, is it a is it a long braised dish? Is it something that you could do in a short period of time? Is it something you yeah. kind of need to prep for? I know if you're training at home, you know, with some of the new stuff, pressure cookers, instapots, things like that, you can yeah. speed it up to under an hour. I like to do it old school on the stovetop, so it's about a three hour cook time on the meat to get it to where it's shreddable, and then about another hour of you know simmering the corn, the chilies, things like that. All in all, if I'm doing it totally from scratch, including knife work, braising time, all of that, it's about a five-hour process. Okay. So when you, um, if I did use a pressure cooker just to get the meat tender, yeah. Um, would you recommend doing um, like a sear ahead of time in say a uh, um, Dutch oven to kind of get that that kind of pork fat into there you know, and then the, do the braise? This is one of the few braises I make where I don't sear ahead of time. We just bring it up to a boil in the stock with some of the chilies, a uh, little achiote and things in there, yeah. So you could just put that straight into the pressure cooker? Yeah, and one thing I've done to save time, you know, when we were doing Christmas Eve, and Christmas Eve also always means a busy restaurant season, Yeah, is I've done the meat braise ahead of time in a crock pot overnight, mm-hmm. and then get up Christmas Eve morning, stew my chilies, you know, build kind of the, the flavor base of the soup, and then just pull that already cooked meat that's just been simmering unattended overnight shred it up and put it in there you lose a little of that all marrying together in the same pot feeling but it does kind of speed it up a bit yeah but yeah with a pressure cooker uh an instant pot you could just go straight in with your stock and your achiote and chili puree and just mm-hmm. let it go i think probably about an hour in there you'd be i'm still new to the pressure cooker world so i, I love my pressure cooker. everybody yeah everybody gets behind those things i know chad over at zona blanca is using that instant pot like crazy which mm-hmm. is great i need to Need to get with the times, I think. <laughs> my, my mom was uh, would work late, and so she would pressure cook her a lot um, because you know the cheapest cuts are yeah. the uh, the ones that, that take, take forever to cook, but the most rewarding in the end. Yeah, and uh, yeah, so she would always pressure cook those things. So it's been nice for like making my own stocks. Yeah, I can make a uh, seemingly all day highly nice bone broth in about forty five minutes. Yeah, it's crazy what you can do. Now. <laughs> those yeah. things that we've had to plan weeks in advance for the most part in restaurants for years, you can yeah. replicate at home pretty nicely and very little time now it's pretty cool it's neat to see some of those techniques i think folding over into home cooking sous vide and stuff like that I mean, yes oh. I love sous vide. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. finding um some of these ingredients so the ancho the dried pep or the dried chilies the hominy the the things that are not standard for american households yeah. like do you have any recommendations of where people can look like i know in yeah. spokane where to look yeah so i mean finding a mexican grocery store is always the best bet and they're just some of the most fun places to shop I mean, oh yeah it's just like going to asian markets cool stuff there yeah so locally we have daily Own foods that has everything to make this and 
all kinds of other fun stuff and they're a great people and great business to support but anymore i mean you could you know if you can't find a legit mexican grocery store almost all this stuff's going to be available at a safeway you know a lot of times their chili selection changes but um you know as far as the hominy you can find canned hominy you can find dry corn there and pickling lime if you wanted to do the, yeah. the next malt stuff yourself you know obviously find the meat and the broth and things there um, as far as chilies, if you know if a local store doesn't carry them, there's some great companies. We use a company called Mount Hope Foods that we uh, mail order all our dried chilies from. They come super fresh, super fast. As long as you keep them sealed somewhere airtight, they're good for months. I mean, they okay. really have kind of an infinite shelf life. So having a good pantry stocked with dried chilies is such a lifesaver for so many things. <laughs> I mean, you need a quick sauce. It's you know soaking some of those guys, a little garlic, a little onion, some seasonings, give it a good puree. And yeah, I was gonna say on dried chilies. Um, I know it's some kind of it can be a process to make sure that they work right. Yeah. Um, so what is kind of like for anyone who's listening who doesn't know, like what do you need to do with a dried chili to get it ready? So we almost always give them a good little roast, um, depending on quantity. If you're using a small amount, we'll just roast them in a pan on the stovetop just until they get that first little wisp of smoke that yeah. brings all the oils out to the outside, makes them fragrant again, kind of softens them up. If we're doing large amounts, we'll toast them in the oven to the same effect. Mm -hmm. um, and then it's soaking them in hot water. So I just get a pot of water to almost boiling. After we toast the chilies, we'll put them in a you know heat-proof pan. Just put enough of that hot water over them to cover. Put a lid on it so you submerge them and just let them soak for a good 30 to 40 minutes until they're soft enough to deal with. Um, sometimes we'll take that liquid they've soaked in and make it part of the recipe, which we do in the pasole. Yeah. Now you've got a nice flavorful chili stock, essentially. Yeah. Other times, if we're trying to keep some of the heat out, or depending on what we're doing, we'll discard that and just puree them or use them you know, with whatever liquid we're using in there. So. Yeah. But yeah, they're super versatile, super handy to have around, take up very little space. And we keep a solid shelf of them at the house just for <laughs> whatever might come up. Do you have any other questions? No, I think I'm good. Yeah, that was excellent. I'm ready to eat pizzoli now. <laughs> nice. Get you a couple bowls. Yeah. 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 Um, so, once again, if you guys can, come down to Cochinito. Um, it is restaurant week right now if you're in Spokane. Um, until the 2nd of March. They they are a part of a group doing something called Restaurant Week Rejects, which is one of my favorite things ever. Um, <laughs> I, I think you guys have, are maybe more popular than Restaurant Week. <laughs> right. yeah, I don't, it felt like yeah, it I've heard so. more people talk about you and Zona Blanca and Biscuit Wizard than yeah, <laughs> anywhere yeah, else. It's been a great little uh, saving grace. I mean, yeah. this Restaurant Week's great in general because this is typically a yeah. slow time of year and restaurants really is. do survive off of it. Mm -hmm. So we weren't, you know, trying to take anybody on or do anything too crazy. It was just, how do I keep our little family here fed through an otherwise slow yeah. week? And it was yeah. sit around and do nothing and watch people go eat everywhere else or try something fun and funky. So mm -hmm. luckily, you know, we all got together and kind of brainchilded this thing and it's worked out so far. So yeah, thanks, Spokane. Yeah. yeah. So so come down to um, Cochinito. It's on the corner of Riverside and Post right next to the uh, bus station, actually. It's nice and easy to find. And uh, come try their restaurant week menu. And, and thanks, Travis, for talking to us. Yeah, yeah. thank you guys. Thank you Appreciate much. the time. We're trying the pozole here at Cochinillo now. Um, it's delicious. It came with a really beautiful cover. Um, what I actually thought were red onions are actually radish slices. Mm, those are radishes. They're, um, they're red on the inside. I think they're a... Um, and, and green on the outside and kind of white all the, a little bit in the middle. I think they might be a watermelon radish. Yeah, that's um, what I was thinking. It looks like a watermelon. But the dish came out in a really nice little bowl. Um, very flavorful. Nice 
nice smell off the top, and then look, it's really very delicious. Um, there's that subtle hint of the chilies in the background of the dish. And right. it comes with a side of tortilla chips. Which are just tortillas that have been chipified by the looks of it. Yeah, and so we are eating the soup by scooping with the tortilla chips. I'm kind of doing both. <laughs> well, in my opinion, tortilla chips to scoop your soup is the only way to eat a soup. So the, hominy, the, best, the best way to eat a soup. I have never had hominy before um, that I can really think of, but um, there will be a picture kind of of a little bit of hominy as well. And it sort of looks like a kind of overly large garbanzo bean, mm -hmm. kind of like flattened out. Mm -hmm. uh, you can see the corn shape to it as well, um, but it definitely adds this kind of neat little very corn kind of crunch to the dish. Mm -hmm. This is very welcome, actually, mm -hmm. with everything else in here. And um, like Travis was telling us, the you know, there's chili in this, but it, it is not spicy. It's just flavorful, which is, you know, my, my strategy going to restaurants and trying to pick what I want on the menu is I scan for the word chili and omit that from my list of options. Like, scan for anything that would indicate spicy and be like, nope. But I think, I think from now on, maybe I should not be so afraid of chili. Mm -hmm. give, it a, give it a little bit more of a chance. Well, like he was saying, the, uh, we were saying earlier, the chilies in this are, are very flavorful, um, floral chilies, rather than just heat-forward chilies. So, you know, no habaneros, those little orange ones, no jalapenos, which are very much a heat-forward chili. These are very, very flavorful chilies that come with this. Pasole tonight, um, actually the same night that we tried it, and did her interview, which is great. Because we have friends coming over tonight, and they don't know it yet, but they're going to be on this podcast. Yay! So, um, we're making it from um, pork shoulder and uh, country ribs. We were going to do pork shanks according to the recipe, but we could not get them unfrozen. So, we have the pork... Um, shoulder, we have the pork ribs, and then I have a ham bone as well. Um, a shank, if you don't know, is the uh, lower part of the leg bone. Um, it has some meat on it, but it's used a lot to kind of fortify stocks. Uh, I actually came home from buying the meat to find a lot of the things done. So, Dana, what did you uh, do to kind of prep for the meal? Um, I went to um, our local Hispanic grocer, De Leon Foods, up on Francis. And um, I bought a few things um, off of the recipe that we got from um, Travis. I had a lot of fun. Um, it, was, it was kind of a, an adventurous experience shopping around a grocery store looking for ingredients that I'm not used to buying. Uh, but uh, it was successful, ultimately. Before Sean got home from his part of the shopping trip, I diced some onions and sliced some garlic. I took a decent try, I think, for somebody inexperienced with chilies, um, at prepping the chilies. Um, the, the instructions we had say um, to stem and seed the chilies. The chilies are dry, so my, my, I was trying to figure out, like, am I supposed to leave these chilies intact? 
And if so, then how do I get the stems and seeds out? And I know that the seeds are like what make the chili really spicy. So I really want to get those out. And um, luckily, right about the time that was right about the time that Sean got home and was like, oh, we can bust these open. And he just like ripped them apart and took the seeds out. And now they're simmering in some water. Did we ever set a timer for that? It's fine. So what you do with the chilies after you toast them um, like Dana did is you stick them in some water and then kind of wait them down to soak. Uh, it says to soak for 20 minutes. It actually, I mean, at the end, it almost doesn't matter because you're going to blend them all up anyways with the reserved water for the pasole. Um, I've got the uh, pork meat in the uh, pressure cooker right now along with uh, four quarts of chicken broth and some other things to uh, cook. So... Alexa, stop. I guess we did set a timer. <laughs> so I've got them in the pressure cooker to cook. Uh, it's sort of a shortcut method. The pressure cooker will take a large amount of time off your um, cooking time. Uh, the recipe that we got says to just do it for two to three hours. We're going to do the pressure cooker for 45 minutes, uh, which should cook down the pork enough to be um, usable for what we want to do. Um, <clears throat> At which point it just has to kind of all come together. There will be a little steaming or a little like steeping party at the end with all the chilies and all the. Uh, um, this one calls for red wine and orange juice, which was an uh, interesting addition. Um, we actually got Travis's recipe from Cochinito, which was really neat. Yeah, so with the uh, pressure cooker coming up to pressure right now, uh, once that's done, it'll be about 45 minutes. And then we just have to blend the chilies, uh, mix that with the red wine and the orange juice, um, add all of that back together after we shred the pork, and uh, we got pozole. Um, oh, talk about hominy. Hominy. Uh, what is there to say? It comes in a can. You can also get it dried. <laughs> I got both because I didn't know which one to get. <laughs> um, so the dried hominy... Uh, it cooks like a bean, so it takes like an hour um, to cook it, hour, two hours to cook it down to uh, usable. Um, we're going to use the canned and then keep the dried hominy for ourselves for later because mm -hmm. we're selfish. It, it is straight up a corn. Yeah. Um, and in, um, in the uh, Mexican grocery store, you'll see it uh, labeled as mez blanco, uh, which means white corn. Yeah, I'm, I'm really curious about the, the process. I, um, he talked, uh, Travis talked a little bit about it. It sounds like you um, you use the hominy, like you, you treat the, the grain and it kind of pops and pops up when you do that. We have a picture of the hominy on um, the Facebook page from the pozole we had earlier. Mm -hmm. So we're going to put this all together, cook it all up, and then we're going to eat it with friends. So we are having dinner right now with um, Lou Sodi and uh, Lizzie Scare. Uh, they are, once again, colleagues of mine. We need to get your colleagues on this podcast, Anna. We do. <laughs> Many of them are fans. Yeah. Hi, guys. <laughs> so um, Louis is a music teacher uh, in Spokane, and Lizzie is an art teacher. She actually works at my building, which is really fun. Yes. So we are having the pozole that I made um, based on... Uh, I can't give you guys the recipe this time because I feel really bad because this is the recipe of the pozole we had earlier, 
in the day. I feel like you can outline the recipe in broad strokes. Yeah, I think I'll send, I think what we'll do is we'll post like a, this is what you need to have. These are kind of the proportions and let you kind of go from there. Mm-hmm. I don't want to give away his recipe. That feels really not cool considering he was really great for us. Uh, what do you guys think of pozole? It's or of this amazing. one in particular? It's nice. I like it a lot. I like it a lot. The pork is so tender and mm-hmm. just, I like can't stop eating it. It's just so delicious. Um, compared to the pozole we had this morning, uh, there is, it's a lot more meat forward and, uh, sorry, not, not as many vegetables as, uh, what we had earlier today, but it is still quite delicious. Yeah. So the vegetables that we had, um, we discovered after we started making this seem to have all been like additional topping things Mm -hmm. that he added on afterwards, which we didn't think about, um, like avocado. Mm-hmm. And uh, we got the radishes, so we're good there. We got the radishes. This is this is mostly a delicious soup of corn and meat, mm-hmm. which um, definitely fits the bill for a winter stew. Yeah, I also think it fits with what pizzoli is. So have you, have you guys ever had pizzoli before? I have, because my dad gets a wild hair every once in a while. He randomly had just like dry hominy but he's like i'm gonna make something with this and um so he's made it before but i didn't know that i was eating that at the time i was like oh this is just a delicious um delicious soup that mm-hmm. he's cooked up i cannot say that i have ever had mm-hmm. oh. it before mm-hmm. um but i really like it and on first sight i honestly was afraid that it was red because Red is usually a no-go for my guts, but... <laughs> it is, in fact, orange. I was going to say the orange, the orange, yeah. Well, but it's not the warmer It's tones. not as abrasive yeah. as most things that are this color. Yeah, it's must. not very acid-forward, which is nice. Mm-mm. Yeah. Um, it's super savory. And the mm-hmm. spice, again, from whence it was all together versus what you were saying you had tasted previously. It's Yeah, we tasted it. We tasted the uh, broth just by itself um, off the stovetop, and it felt more more spicy than this actually ended up being. Mm-hmm. Now, I wouldn't say there's really, like, the spice is super, more adding more flavor than it's really, like, heating up. Mm-hmm. Well, I like the chili combination that went into this, because it's very floral, very fragrant chilies, not so much, I mean, there's no habaneros in there. Right. Skogul chili. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no ghost chilies in here. Yeah. Um, so, uh, interesting thing is I actually knew Lizzie and Lewis separately before, um, I knew them together and I knew Lewis because, uh, he started teaching. When did you start teaching in the district? Uh, 2013, 14 year. Yeah. So, uh, I had, I think I had a whole grand total of one year on him in seniority. (laughs) And we uh, would talk and uh, do stuff like that. We both teach music. And then um, I actually met Lizzie more through her dad, funny enough. Yeah, it's funny. We live um, <laughs> a block away. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, that's the house I grew up in. I've never lived anywhere else. My parents have lived in that house for however long. They, they're just, whenever I'm like, how long have you been married? I don't even ever get a concrete number. They're, they've been together <laughs> forever, for a long time. And in the house for a long time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, 
I think on the whole, I think I would make fazole again. Mm-hmm. I think I would let you make it get, make it again. <laughs> I would definitely have this again. Yeah, I would. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm really digging awesome. the corn chips and dipping that in there with mm-hmm. all the yumminess. I actually really like the color of the broth personally, so you know what? I do too. You know, the, the, the color <laughs> scares me because it looks, my brain says, oh, this is going to be really greasy, but it's not. It's just, mm-hmm. it's just the, the, I think it's just the color of the chili and the oils in the meat when it all cooks up. Yeah. And it's really good. Yeah. So the, uh, the crock potting of the pork, um, I think was successful. Um, the center of the pork didn't get as tender as mm-hmm. the outside, so it didn't shred as nicely. Mm-hmm. Um... And then the hominy out of the can. I kind of wish we had had two cans of hominy, I think. I would, yeah. Like, yeah, I would like Yeah, more. I think more hominy would have helped this. Yeah. Yeah. Because that flavor of the, like, nice mild corn with the spice and the meat. Well, it's a fun little bite, too. It is nice. It's very different a, than the rest. all the textures in there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, on the whole, I think that this is a good dish. I think that I will make it again. Um, maybe cut down on the chili a little bit for the kids. I think so. My my lips are starting to like burn just a little bit, um, but other th- other than that, it was very tolerable. Well, well, actually enjoyable as far as spice goes. Like, yeah. th- it's it's warmed me up certainly from the inside. If I had to take my jacket off now um, <laughs> after eating this, so uh, it's it's good. I like it. Well, thank you guys for coming and having this with us. I think we're gonna make masks later because. That's what you do. Pizzole. When you make pizzole, pizzole and then you make masks. Exactly. I believe there's an it's old It's an old tradition that. that people don't know about. <laughs> know. It's, it's interesting. A very Northwest tradition. <laughs> First Pacific pizzole Northwest, and yeah. the masks. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, not sure what's coming up next month yet. Um, we've got interviews to do with the Thai restaurant and a ceviche place. Uh, I'm making croissants in a couple weeks. Yeah. That oh could my be gosh. fun. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So. Don't forget about me. I'm just live close. You can you can always. <laughs> <laughs> if you need a taste tester, I'm here. Mm-hmm. That should be included. In that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so we'll do our uh, we'll do our sign off later. All right now, I think we're gonna finish eating and enjoying time. Yeah. So Sean, uh, what did you think of our experience with Pizzole? Uh, I really like pizzole. I hadn't had it before, mm-hmm. and I thought it was delicious. Mm-hmm. What about you? Uh, yeah, it's it's really good. Did you have some for lunch today? I did not today because it was mac and cheese bar, but I've been uh, eating it most of the rest of the week. <laughs> I had some for lunch today, and I didn't bring enough because I, I ate it in probably about three minutes and really wanted more. Yeah, I was I'd eat- really sad I didn't bring more <laughs> i'd easily say we had half the batch left but we sent about half of that home with uh uh lewis and lissy what did you think of cochinito uh i thought it was a lot of fun um it's i think he um travis is right they've really got this really kind of unique mix of um you know good authentic mexican food kind of stuff you would find at a street taco stand with um kind of elevated to a fine dining level but not terribly expensive um i would definitely go back there yeah and it was really nice to find um 
find that place because it had a lot of the things that I've been looking for since I moved up to Spokane in terms of what I'm used to in Mexican food on that more kind of cheaper side of food on the, the kind of street food style of Mexican food. Uh, we also had the um, uh, Restaurant Week Tater menu, mm-hmm. which was really good. Um, we had elote. Yep. Um, which is Mexican street corn, um, as well as two tacos. Uh, what were mm-hmm. the tacos again? Uh, it was a taco al pastor, which had uh, pork in it. Mm-hmm. And did we end up pollo taco, chicken. Yeah, chicken taco. And then uh, horchata panacata. Which was delicious. <laughs> I love horchata. If you don't know, horchata is a drink made out of almonds and rice and sugar, and it is the most delicious. I need to have that on my list of things to learn to make. So on the whole, I think I would recommend um, Pozole. We'll have a recipe up on the Facebook page as well as kind of suggestions for, mm-hmm. um, you know, proportions of food. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, I don't know, maybe next month will be Irish food since it's St. Patrick's Day coming up. A little Doherty. It'll be fun. We'll see. Let's... Let's uh, let's not make any promises. Let's leave our listeners in suspense. Mm. So thank you again for joining us. Um, in the meantime, eat something delicious. And check out what's on your neighbor's table. Am I supposed to go that way?